Hey community, today's episode is all about devotional worship music. Matt sits down with artist John Guerra, and they talk about what devotional worship music is, how it differentiates from congregational worship music, and they also talk about John's latest album, Keeper of Days. Make sure you stream Keeper of Days wherever you listen to music and enjoy the interview. What's up, you guys? Welcome to this week's edition of Loop Live. I'm just going to come right out of the gate and say it. You have got to listen to this artist. I don't know if you can see that, but it's John Guerra, Keeper of Days. This album is incredible, and all of John's music is incredible. I would highly recommend. Go to Spotify, Apple Music. I'm saying it right up front because I don't want you guys to miss that. Listen to John Guerra's music. It's it's unbelievable. Um, speaking of... John Garrett is the guest for the Loop Live show today, right now, and I'm really excited to talk to him about this album, Keeper of Days, and devotional worship music, and what that is, and all sorts of questions I've got for him. And it's going to be a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to talking with John. So without further ado, here is John Garrett. What's up, man? So good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. We were uh, joking earlier that I'm actually sitting right now in your old Chicago studio. This is yep. where you used to. This is actually where you probably recorded a lot of this album, right? Yeah, and wrote a lot of it. Yep, exactly. I was just gonna say that actually. So wild. That's so wild. And so what ended up happening is you moved, and we ended up kind of renting the studio to do some video work here. And oh, I miss you, friend. So you you left Chicago. You too, ben. You're in Texas. Left and... Chicago. Moved to Texas six days before national quarantine in 2020. Didn't Terrible see it timing. Coming. <laughs> Did not see it coming, but That's we're glad to be in to Texas. Go. Yeah. And you're on tour right now, too? Yeah, on tour with Andrew Bell. Um, I Really just doing a few dates around the country. We did Chicago and New York, and then we're doing Nashville and L.A. this week. Um, just and in really, yeah. Are you playing some songs from Keeper of Days? or? Yeah, I'm doing all Keeper of Days songs. That's awesome. Yeah. So this is an album you released last year, mm-hmm. right? During COVID. Was it March? Was it right when COVID hit April. you released it? Okay. I started releasing singles in March, and then the whole album came out in April. And it released with a video, entire like video album, which is yes, also really right. entertaining to watch. So I'd recommend watching that. Um, you, you... I was I was actually looking at your uh, iTunes profile or Apple Music, and I saw little songs released in 2015, and then five years later was Keeper of Days, and little songs I would say is there's a lot more like congregational worship music on it. Keeper of yeah. Days I feel like you talk a lot about that it's devotional worship music. Yeah. How would you say it's different? How would you say devotional worship music is different than worship songs? Um. Well, the way I'd like to talk about it is uh, congregational worship music is, you know, more Sunday morning worship music. And you can sing along to it. It's usually got a bit of a beat. It's catchy. It's um, lyrically maybe um, saying true things about God or talking about the Christian life in a way that's like communal in nature. Devotional music is more Monday morning prayer music. It's maybe a little bit more interior. It's a little bit more, um, I wanted I wanted worship music and really uh, Godward music to kind of fill in those gaps in our day or really in our week, in our life that aren't in 
the church, you know, aren't in some official context of religion. Um, I wanted music that kind of, yeah, helped us pray, uh, wake up and help us kind of attend to something else, even, you know, throughout the day. And it's funny, I, I wrote a lot of those songs um, without having a kid and our daughter Winslow was born just a few months before the album was released. And so I think what devotional music even looked like before we had Winslow is different than what maybe this next record I'm working on now. It, devotional music can look like for that record because you know, you've just got more time on your hands um, when you don't have a kid. Uh, but what I've enjoyed and even listening back to Keeper of Days is I do think, um, I do think there's moments on that record that really, that succeeded in what I was going for, succeeded in kind of maybe creating a space, sort of if, you, if a listener gives it its attention. Um, I did this crazy thing when it first came out. I kind of challenged people on my Instagram and Facebook and email list to listen through it straight through and not to listen to it until they could do that. So set aside 40 minutes and just go for a walk or, and, um, and actually a lot more people did that than I thought would and got some really cool notes back about how that experience was for them. And, um, you might do that with a congregational worship album, but I think this music is specifically intended for that. You're really great at writing. I think both, I think you're really great at writing congregational worship songs and devotional worship Mm -hmm. songs. Um, some of my favorite congregational worship songs were written by you. Uh, well, I Will Follow was played at our at my wife and I's wedding. You played it there. That's a very special song to us. And what made you decide to focus more of your writing on the devotional side? Um, I felt a little bit um, like just it was natural for me. I mean, mm-hmm. I like you said, I love writing congregational worship music. And specifically, I love writing those kind of songs with other people who write those kinds of songs. So it's more of a communal thing. But this was more of an, ex- an experiment in, I guess, solitude and interiority for me. Um, they were, at, at first they were songs that I wrote not really intending on them being anything. You know, they were, some of the songs are so old and I thought to myself, well, these aren't really like releasable songs. These are just kind of like journal entry songs or these are just something I turn to when I'm mm-hmm. in a space. Um, and then when I kind of started the project, I thought maybe I should listen to those. They were just little voice memos that were maybe some of them like six, seven years old. And I thought, oh my word, I think actually this works for this record because they're very, they're personal, they're, um, worshipful that they, they feel, they feel kind of raw, but in not like a, a way that's kind of like, Hey, look at me being raw. They just felt like somebody who wasn't expecting to be listened to at least and I wasn't back then because I was very clearly not writing for the record. So it has a cool quality like that, that I'm even, um, you know, trying to rediscover with this next record. But I think it came down to calling for me. I felt, um, I feel increasingly called to, uh, to, to prayer and to helping my listeners and anybody who engages with my work, helping them develop a prayer life and develop a sense of God's kind of presence, abiding presence um, in every hour of the day and, and trying to kind of uh, help, help people develop that with music. I think you've definitely succeeded that with this album for sure. 
Mm. What um, are devotional music songs? Are they mostly written just by you, or do you ever do co-writes on devotional songs? Um, you know, I I've tried, and I think I um, I think I I'm going to start, but it, it's it's tricky because I a lot of my co-writers, like the pool of people that I usually co-write with, were typically writing congregational worship songs. So it takes a lot of like, hey, I'm not doing this. I kind of want to try this kind of thing. And so for this record, it was just every time I tried to write with somebody, it would always veer in a direction that I didn't feel was totally right. I feel like now that I have a record of it, I could just send people the songs and say, hey, this is kind of where I'm at these days. Can we try yeah. to write something in this vein? <coughs> I would think there's a lot of freedom in writing that way. Like writing mm -hmm. devotional, because I think a lot of times people maybe who are sitting down to write a song are trying to hit the next huge hit church song yeah. that's going to explode and every church in the world is going to sing it. Totally. So you get really much more like tunnel vi visioned on like what the rules are, what you can and can't do. Where with devotional music, it's like a white canvas just ready for whatever you want to say from your heart. I mean, and it's kind of... I, Ultimately, I think all, I know it's a job for a lot of us, but I think all art starts that way with people who are writers. You know, you, you don't start with a goal in mind. You start with, oh, I heard this amazing song or I heard this amazing album. I wonder if I could do that. And you sit down and you just start playing chords and then you start humming a melody and you're like, whoa, I can, maybe I can do this. And then it's, but there's no like, I'm going to put this here and that there and that there. So, you know, the rediscovery for me of just a, whatever that thing was, the initial spark, um, has been and was amazing. Um, though it's, it is still very, I will say, uh, I write a lot and I write, I write frequently and I write a big volume of songs before I then sequence a record together. And that piece gets a little harder, like trying to find the center of a record, trying to find, uh, yeah, what, what exactly works, whether you're doing that for radio or congregational or my devotional stuff, there is, there does end up being some parameters that I'm, you know, trying to follow and hit, which sometimes is hard. Are you trying to keep a record around a single theme? Um, so eventually, yeah, I, I usually just write freely. And then when I start sequencing, I start to find kind of the through line and then that vague through line, whatever that is, starts to become kind of the, the plumb line, you know, at, then that becomes like the center. And it's, it's very arbitrary, you know, you're just kind of picking yeah. like, but um, I find that to be helpful. Otherwise, it's just kind of pulling things from the air. Um, and what do you mean when you say when I start sequencing? What does that mean? Putting putting songs together for a record, like okay. 12 songs in a row, deciding how they go together. Deciding what's going to be first, what's going to be last, what's going to be the middle, what's the journey going to be. Um, when you and I have a good friend who helps me with that, actually. Okay. I'm throwing some curveball questions at you that I didn't have on there because it's just they're popping in my head. But yeah, as you're deciding what songs to put on a record, are those songs all 100% complete, or do you do the songs actually kind of change as you start recording them? I would say they're 95 to 98% complete. Yeah. Sometimes the, the thing I leave open is like slight lyric changes because mm -hmm. I really like there to be a unity in the lyrics with the whole record. Yeah. So 
Um, for instance, this next one I'm working on right now, I think it's going to be called Ordinary Ways. Um, it was written the past year and a half in what has felt like a very ordinary life, though it was a very unordinary year. Um, yeah. My life was chasing Winslow around, changing diapers, doing dishes, and writing songs before Winslow got up. Writing and recording, actually, before she get before she got up, because during the day, I was working the other you know the other stuff that I paid to do. Where do you write? Where would you do that? Do you have a studio in your house or just in our yeah our kind of guest studio or like our guest room studio? That's awesome, man. So you're doing another album. Is it devotional music? Yeah. Oh man, I can't wait to hear it. When is it coming out? You know, I I was feeling ambitious and I. Uh, I said something on Instagram about it probably coming out next March or April. And, uh, but now the past few weeks, I'm like, oh dear, I think, I thought I was like 85, 90% there. Now I think I'm maybe 50% there, but. I believe in you, John. I think you can do it. <laughs> I would love to do that. No, totally. So you and I have both had a career at some point as uh, leading worship in churches. I'd be curious from your perspective, is there a place in a church service where a devotional music, maybe like a song from, you know, Keeper of Days would fit in a church service? Oh, definitely. Um, I think the churches that, uh, yeah, the churches that are comfortable having songs either sung over people or songs as kind of like a either intro to a liturgy, if it's more liturgical, or intro to a sermon or post-sermon. I go to a small little Presbyterian church in town, um, and I've been doing music there, and it's it's really just me doing music. I mean, Winslow comes with me in the morning to help set up. and uh, But there's a spot in the liturgy, it's after the sermon, that's usually like a, more of like a reflection song. And that's where I sometimes even write a song based on the sermon, just that Wednesday, and then put up the lyrics, and then we, they listen to me sing it, and it's kind of, it's kind of another angle of the message. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, we sing me, we sing in church, and so there's already precedent for people engaging emotionally with art in a worshipful way, and ultimately, I, th I think real worship happens not when the, the words come out of our mouths, but when our hearts are attending to the words coming out of our mouths. So if the worship is happening here, I think people can attend to the words that are on the screen or I'm singing just as much as they can attend to them if they're singing. Um, or at least to the same degree, though they're different kinds of attention, it's a similar kind of heart ascent to, mm. to the concept or to the feeling or to the devotion. So um, I think there's plenty of room for, you know, if you have someone in your church who can can kind of fit that mold, or even if people are coming through town on tour or something, to introduce that in the service, even in more like, you know, non-denominational yeah. Bible church, like what we both were a part of for a long time. Where do you get the inspiration for most of your songs? If you're going to sit down and write, where does it usually, where does the spark usually start? It typically starts with a tune, with like a melody, mm -hmm. or a, be a chord progression, or it's usually very ethereal. 
And, and then I combine that ethereal feeling with what I've been studying or reading or journaling about. I keep a pretty active um, journal and I read, you know, a, yep. a decent amount. And so kind of ideas and then just kind of the personal, try to connect those feelings and ideas with those. And sometimes it comes out cool. Sometimes it's, and then sometimes I'm just, you know, I just sing gibberish and then, you know, like Kingdom of God, the song you were playing at first, that was just kind of a, a little loop that I made with some chords and then um, the chorus hit and I just, blessed are, blessed are the poor just kind of came out and then I just wrote the whole song around that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not as, um, I think there's a myth of this like mastermind behind kind of pulling all these strings, but it's very, it's very much about discovery. You know, it's very much about you run yeah. towards inspiration and run towards what you think is beautiful. And then along the way you, you craft, but yeah. So COVID, you know, was obviously is obviously a very bad, <laughs> has a bad thing for obvious reasons, but I'm curious from your perspective as an artist and a songwriter, would you say it's been this past year, has it been a positive thing for your artistry and your songwriting, or has it been a negative thing? Like, what's your experience been like as an artist, singer, songwriter? Has COVID been like a good thing? Like it's given you space, or has it actually been like a yeah. negative thing? Cause it's like, you know, you hear artists saying like they're depressed because they aren't playing in front of people. I'm curious from your perspective, how it's been. Yeah, no, I, um, it's, it's been good in the sense that I released an album of interior music during a time when everybody was very interior and when everybody was kind of locked at home. So there was a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so that was, that felt pretty wild. Uh, it was scary not to be on the road as much, but also the biggest gift in the world because I got to spend the year with my daughter. And now I am very selective about when I go out just cause I really don't want to miss time with her. So that felt like a gigantic gift. Um, the onslaught of tension and emotion and uh, cultural upheaval and I mean that's that's been that's been really hard. I mean I think it's been hard on all of us, and um, I don't I don't think it's been it's. I wouldn't say oh man my my artist suffered this itch, but it's definitely affected the work. Um, like I think. I think kind of a through line of actually what the songs I've been writing the past year and a half is grief in a way, because, you know, a little snippet of our last year and a half, it's like we, we left a city we were in for 10 years. We left close friends and family. Um, we had a four month old and uh, just when you're a new parent, you're kind of, whether you admit it or not, you're reckoning with a, a shift in identity and a, and a loss of maybe old freedoms and a, you're just trying to figure out the new role sure. and the new life. And there's grief, I think, associated with that. Um, mm -hmm. And that's okay. I think we're, sometimes we don't let ourselves, you know, feel that way or admit that. But that's, it's good for us to just say, man, this is hard. I wouldn't trade this little person for the world, but like, this is, this is hard. And then being a parent, you know, the past year and a half has been, goodness gracious, my daughter didn't see a kid for mm -hmm. six, seven months. It, and when she did, it was like, all the parents were like, oh, you know, it was, yeah. what a crazy time. So I think, 
um, I think that's kind of affected. Yeah, it's affected certainly our family, certainly the music. Um, but again, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, I see the positives too. And I, I don't lament it at all. I just kind of feel like, man, we've really been, we've really been in it. Yeah. I can't wait to hear this new album. I bet these songs are very special. Thank you, man. What, um, what tips would you give to a worship leader who maybe wants to write devotional worship music? Um, try to keep a regular journal if you can. Um, try to read some poetry if you can. A modern poet named Christian Wyman is amazing. A poet named Robert Lax is amazing. Denise Levertov is amazing. Um, if you're into the old stuff, George Herbert is my favorite poet. Um, try to create conditions where you are not, something isn't required of you, you know, whether it's 15 minutes, 30 minutes, you're not making a set for Sunday, you're not looking for the newest song, you're not um, doing something at home, but just time where you're kind of open-handed and maybe there's a piano or a guitar in front of you and um, keep your voice memos near and then just play and record and listen to it in three days and see if it's cool. You know, that's, yeah, yeah. that's really all it is. Um, how about a practical songwriting tip of how do you keep your song ideas, your lyrics, your songs organized? Like what technically do you use? You, you've mentioned yeah. the voice memos on your phone a few times. Yep. Voice Sometimes memo those can phone. get crazy though, right? Totally. So notes are helpful. You can make little folders and notes and I just have a folder called songs and I, you can now copy voice memos into notes. You can just cool. send it to a note so that if there's a, uh, you know, if I do a little demo, then I'll just share it with the note. And then every time I go on there, there's the voice memo, there's the lyrics. Um, I mean, that's it. I just flip through that pretty much on the reg. Well, that's cool. So you just use the built-in apps in your phone. That's it. Voice that's memos it. and yep. notes. I didn't know you could embed voice memos inside of notes. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's helpful with organizing because, yeah, those notes can be, can be pretty insane. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite devotional music song or album that you didn't write? Like, is there anyone out there that you admire doing this? Yeah, a few people. Um, so if, if I, if I really need just like very worshipful, meditative, easy hymns or easy, just beautiful songs, beautiful melody, there's this guy named Paul Zach who's become a friend. He's out of North Carolina. He's a worship leader in North Carolina. He released an album of hymns, just him and the acoustic. His voice, he could sing the phone book and I'm just all in. Hmm. Um, he's got kind of Psalm type songs. Uh, he's amazing. My favorite song from last year was by this artist named Jess Ray. Um, she has a song called Grace and Mercy. And okay. at least let me double check if that's the... Grace and Mercy. Let me make sure that that's the uh, title. Yes, Grace and Mercy. She had released a video of it. Um, oh my goodness. She released it shortly, like the end of last summer. Um, and you remember last summer, it was just like a, the nation was kind of, yes, was in a lot of trouble. And yeah, um, this song came out and it just, 
it just it wrecked me. All right, I'm gonna Her listen to that after this. Too. Yeah. Any uh, old school favorites? Oh, dude, you know Keith Green. Yeah. The Vineyard. Uh, yeah, Vineyard. The Vineyard and the um, Maranatha playlists on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Rich Mullins. Rich you know who Mullins. I was listening to a lot this week was Michael W. Smith. Oh man. Which I, you know, I was too young when he was like really, really blowing up. But uh, he's got some really, you know, his songs are not, you know, he's done some worship albums that are all like yeah. a lot of covers. But um, he did some albums that were just Christian songs, you know? And totally. uh, there's some gems in there. Dude, so I, do you remember when you told me six, seven years ago that when a, a number that you don't recognize calls your phone, you always pick up? Yeah. You still do that? I love it. Well, I'm a little more careful now because it's always this, like, okay. if you're trying to reach you about your auto warranty. <laughs> Times exactly. have changed, man. It, the, the world has definitely gotten a lot darker since six or seven years ago. Oh, my gosh. Well, I was thinking about you because I got, an, I got a call from a number that I didn't recognize, and I let it go to voicemail, and I don't check my voicemails maybe once a week, if that. So I looked through my voicemails, and I, I get to this one from, like, five days ago. This was like last summer, like five days prior. Hey, John, this is Michael W. Smith. I'm uh, just calling to let you know, love your music, man. Really fresh. Uh, and left me the sweetest note about my songs. Just That's like- awesome, dude. You know, super long and super generous. I'm just like, you know, hit me up when you're in town. You know, I know it's going to be a while, but oh, we're out man. of lockdown. Yeah, it was very sweet. That's awesome. You should definitely take him up on that. Totally. I sent him some songs over Christmas, and uh, actually, yeah, next time I'm in Nashville, I actually should. You're right. Go write a song with him. That would be nuts. You got to, oh, man, Place in This World. Have you listened to that song? <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Lead You Anyways. Home. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Lead You Home. That's a good one. Well, we're kind of uh, diverging here. But, John, when... Um, all right, so we're not going to hear new music then for maybe a couple months. Well, maybe... Probably not for a bit. Yeah, okay. maybe maybe I'll release a song or two um, just yeah. to kind of get myself pumped about releasing. But, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm probably not going to do anything for that. I've been producing quite a bit. So a lot of those records are coming out. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of exciting. It's just being a part of other people's releases. And Can you tell us about any of those? Of which ones yeah, have come out? Yeah, I released, that... um, I, I was a part of, there's an artist named Judah who released a record. Judah and the Lion? Yeah. So he released like a worship, alt-worship record that he and I worked on during COVID. And... Um, I'm just wrapping up a Paul Balash EP, actually, which I'm excited about. And then the thing I was most probably excited about from the last year and a half is I've been working with Taya Gokroger. She's the lead singer of United, yeah. and she's doing a solo record. And um, it, it's amazing. It's like astounding. 
her voice is insane. Songs are amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's finally, that's finally wrapping up. So I can't wait for the world to, to hear her kind of hear her expression outside of church. Um, so that's going to be epic, man. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk about the album. Everybody go listen to it. Spotify, Apple music. It's probably on YouTube too. Watch the videos too. The videos of the album are so entertaining. That was sweet. John, do all of that people. Yeah, man. I've missed you. Next time you're here, let me know. I will. All right. See you, man. We'll talk soon. See you, brother. Peace. All right, everybody. That was a great conversation with John. Incredible songwriter. Great worship leader. Very talented producer. If you have not heard his music, make sure you check it out. Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you get music. I'm sure it's there. Um, Some of my personal favorites are I Will Follow. And uh, uh, what's the title? Oh, my gosh. I love this song. It's the title track in Keeper of Days. Hold on. Kingdom of God. Oh my gosh. Kingdom of God, Citizens. These are all incredible songs. Make sure you check those out. Listen to them. Uh, type down in the comments below what's one thing you walked away from this interview? Um, what's one thing that you're going to take away that you learned that you found interesting? And, uh, or also, write down in the comments below what your favorite devotional uh, worship song is or artist. It would be awesome to hear kind of different, uh, different music out there. So thanks for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Hey, guys, this is Matt McCoy. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast. We're trying to provide content that's really helpful and meaningful to you as a worship leader. So make sure you hit the subscribe button to stay tuned for more from the community.